Welcome everyone to the next episode of the Caterpillar Podcast. Today it's just Jedi and myself, and it feels like we don't have that much to talk about, but there are some bits of information. Yeah, we, we debated whether we, we were going to just play ships this evening or actually have a go, but there's, there's a few odds and ends to talk about, and some of it might not be um, stuff that that has uh, kind of been widely circulated, so yeah. True. I mean, up first, we have uh, the dev blog about the return of the Conway and some other bits. So Convoy is a game mode that has been uh, introduced in the past and they have now changed it because it wasn't that great. I liked the principle, but you... I can't remember if it was the attackers or the defenders that were winning way more often, but it was one side that was winning much more often. It was was the attackers. Like, it was... okay. It, it was like the way convoy mostly worked was right. So the, the defenders spawned sort of with the convoy and they basically mm. spent the whole time racing after the convoy because the convoy was fast enough that they couldn't easily overtake it. While the attackers just needed to sink the convoy ships and could ignore the escort and could probably position themselves and just intercept it. So it was in most map and most of the time the maps were designed that at the very end there was a very nice choke point so it was very easy for the attackers to get the convoy yeah so what they've done differently this time um well what the, i mean this is all what they're going to be testing on the 11.5 test server so this is not necessarily completely final but um yeah, they are going to have either two or three simultaneous uh, routes with, and it looks from the screenshot like two ships per route. So it'll essentially make it much harder for the attackers to um, like get all the ships, but they're still converging in similar areas, at least based on the that one screenshot that we have. So um, yeah, you you will have to. Like you can't just blob up near the exit, destroy the the ships quite as easily. So they're they're trying to throw it back into um, being much more balanced than the first iteration with the the single convoy route. So we'll see how that works out. Um, and uh, you know, it it might be much more interesting. You might like on the, the I keep referring to this uh, map, but it's the one bit of uh, data that they've thought, you know, the one sort of concrete mm-hmm. thing of uh, example of a route they've given. So two of the routes are relatively close together, and then one is um, sort of going almost next to the border and for swinging back into the centre. So I think there'll still be um, an element of... of trying to def- uh, defend or attack the most ships at once. But uh, it, it ought to be, I guess, a bit harder for attacking teams to just um, easily wipe out the, uh, the the convoy ships and not even really have to bother that much with the uh, the defending ships, necessarily. Now, the thing that I'm wondering is, I haven't really found an answer to that yet, is what's the new winning con? Like, does one ship of each convoy have to survive? Is there just a number of ships that has to survive? Or is it, if you get one ship of one convoy through, is that enough to win? Because that would yeah, obviously change that a lot. Yeah, if it was just a single ship, that would maybe make it then a bit too easy for the defenders. So it, it will be interesting to see how they... Um 
how they how they do that. Uh, the one thing they also don't mention is whether <laughs> submarines will be in there. I'm guessing probably not. <laughs> you know, the it one would... mode where the consistent feedback has been like, yeah, if you're going to have submarines be in the game and make sense, convoy would be it. But <laughs> no, so um, there, there yeah. is. But there is like there would be one major problem, and the thing is that submarines uh, don't really have much of a counter right now. Imagine if you could get submarines in this as an uh, attack uh, as an attacker, and basically what you do is you just dive through the convoy surface and one shot the convoy and be like, "Yeah, what are you going to do so. about it?" Yeah, I mean the screenshot does show CVs in the the, the team lineup that they've got. So how many <laughs> CVs were in the last mode too? I think. Which yeah, was but... also pretty questionable because the carrier can yep. very rapidly just strike and farm the, the convoy ships. The, the defending ships were at least in a big enough blob that there was somewhat effective AA, generally speaking. I mean, depending how the defending team, you know, if like they spread out, then the carrier would have mm-hmm. had it a lot easier. But in this mode, when you're going to presumably have the defenders more spread out, it might actually make it easier for the CV to pick off, um, like, if there's any undefended convoy ships, they're just going to be CV food. So, yeah, we'll see what this this actually ends up being like on the test server and if there's any changes come about as a result of that. I mean, one of my main concerns is that, I mean, I like, generally, I like the idea that there are no multiple convoys to protect. I think there's a lot of potential in that. My biggest fear is that, well, the player base is... Uh, not known to be very coordinated, and I could see that just one blob moves yeah. with, with like, I mean, if, if the, the the defenders only need to have one ship survive, one blob just following one convoy path would actually not be the worst strategy ever. But uh, the attackers would then have to at least split up and attack each each part. And honestly, yeah. I don't trust the... So you'd, you'd need to be at least a three-man division so you can get one ship in your division to each path. Otherwise, it might just be set. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot on that question of what the win condition will be exactly. So, yeah. We still have I'm... some un- things unanswered <laughs> that it would be very good to know. I wonder if it's like right there on the screen, but unfortunately I don't speak Russian because I presume like the win conditions would be on the map screen, right? On the second screenshot. I just can't read anything. There could be, yeah. Maybe maybe some information will pop up on Reddit. I know there's some Russian speakers on there. I mean, anyway, we will see after the testing. How I Generally, it's, it's good they're testing new modes. I like the idea of Convoy and I like that they are going to multiple routes now, so... Yeah, whatever it, comes it, of this, it, it, it's it's good that they're trying. It's even it, it's good that like we're back to because there was a bit of um, I'm trying to think how to put this. The game was a, a bit static for a while in terms of like new modes and things. So it's nice that we're we're back to uh, a position where they are trying new things. It, it's nice that they finally continued working on the game. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, then we have, I mean, we 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 had the the U.S. destroyers being mentioned in the roadmap stuff. We actually have some pictures here, and like, yes, they they look rather nice, I suppose. So you can go and 
check those out on the dev blog yourself. I think they are one of the lines that has been waiting for a refresh for a while. Um, yeah. And uh, it, it's kind of the case, and we'll actually dip into this a bit later. There was a Q&A with the uh, art department mm-hmm. slash map department side of things uh, where they were talking about the, the process, and it's often really nothing to do with with how old the models are, but th- these certainly are among the oldest in-game models that, that were still in the kind of original lower poly quality, which is... Also- um, is, yeah, it's is, quite nice to have them refreshed. Is gearing now less fat? She looks a lot sleeker, I think. I don't know. They do mention um, they will have a minimal effect on the angles of top tubes when battery guns, AA batteries, and the hit point distribution uh, among the different um, sections of the ship. So uh, it sounds like there's going to be very, very minor changes, but not enough to actually like change how they play or change their effectiveness. I mean, if a, if a ship, for example, like it's slimmer, right? It would have, uh, it would change arming of armor piercing shells and so on. So it might have some, I mean, if war, war gaming says that it will have minimal gameplay changes, it's, it's, uh, they, they aren't necessarily trustworthy you, you on their want interpretation. To take salt, you? <laughs> yeah. Well, um, yeah. And I presumably, uh, other related um, ships will. Uh, although I don't know, there's like many copies. It's like the black is basically the same model as the Fletcher. Although I think that is actually wrong, if I remember correctly. I think the black is supposed to look a little bit different than the Fletcher, but they never bothered making it look different. So mm-hmm. uh, presumably the black will use the updated Fletcher model, but will still be wrong. And uh, the Yueyang is basically a gearing right so presumably that model will change as well but i believe the senyang and the benson are actually different classes and look a bit different so don't think okay. it'll affect any of the other pan-asian ones oh yeah, the kid I... uh, someone mentions uh, yeah. the kid as well so yeah yeah, the yeah, um, the, the loyang is probably going to change when the benson model changes oh yeah yeah loyang that's another one so, yeah. There's uh, also um, a little note about the Faroe Islands, which uh, is really just linking back to the previous dev blog. I mean, they could, uh, I, think, I think there was a picture of the map at some point. I think they could have put one here. Too. Yeah, if you, if you click on the link, it goes back to the, the previous dev blog from... Uh, Early April, that is, and there's some pictures there. Yeah, and then, yeah, they they are about like they have a dev block here linked, but it's just like the, I mean, it's it's art pictures, right? But like the map mm-hmm. layout and the camp layout would be interesting. Oh, you mean like. the actual? Yeah, no, we don't we don't have anything about that yet, do we? No. Since I mean that map is coming to a close, that should be pretty much. Uh, I should know how it looks like. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure why well, I haven't included anything like that yet, but uh, we'll see. Brawls. Uh, there's going to be two brawls in 11.5, and they're both going to be one versus one, which I think ought to be relatively popular. People seem to enjoy the the dual format. 
So first we'll go tier nine and then we'll tier 10 ships. So yeah, that, that could be quite fun if you liked that. True. It will be heavily unbalanced, I suppose, but I feel like one versus one with the new German battle cruisers is going to be a bit... Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we'll see, but if you, if you can have a battleship with hydro, good secondaries, and torpedoes, it's like... And good concealment, right? So if you were to like, bring a Schlieffen, you have 100 meters... You can detect it 100 meters outside of its secondary range, right? So you can't really fight the Schlieffen without it shooting back with its secondaries. With the Hydro, it should be relatively okay against destroyers, and because it's caps, you know, you can park your battleship inside the cap and have forced the destroyer to come to you, in a sense. So it's I going guess. to be well, hard to counter that, I believe. Uh, yeah, I think I think there's always the element with brawls of, like, you might get really lucky with the ship you take versus the enemy ship, or you might get really unlucky. It's uh, it's it's kind of um, I, I don't know how to describe it exactly. It's it, it's it's matchmaking toned up to eleven. Yeah, Does I that mean, make any sense? I mean, obviously the game isn't balanced on brawls. Like for the, the German brawlers, were also very strong in the free versus free format. But at least you see a bit more diversity there because mm. it's free versus free. I mean, we will see, right? Maybe there are some. Ships that, that work yeah, well. I mean, it's only for a single patch anyway, and yeah, they'll it, probably go back to other formats after that. So it's nice to see them rotating the, the formats yeah. around a bit. I mean, it's um, probably better than the nine. Like, I mean, the nine versus nine was an interesting idea, but the matchmaker is just so screwed in that mode. <laughs> that was that was it's, basically just that wasn't even really brawl at that point. That was just slightly smaller random battles. Yeah, with, but random battles with unlimited division size. And the matchmaker yeah. doesn't really like they. We've covered this in the last dev block where they said they increased the number of battleships and that they now like took more care with uh, divisions on both sides, which was a bit of a lie because you can have like a two-man division on one side and you can have an, a nine-man division on the other side, which is not balanced. Mm. And you can even have like a five and a three-man division on one side, meaning all nine ships are division and just a two-man division on the other side and things like that. And also, I mean, uh, since it's a brawl, the matchmaker doesn't care about mirroring ships, which makes sense if you have fully pre-made teams because they bring whatever setup they want. But if it's just a bunch of random people and one team has four destroyers and the other one has one, it's just not... Like, yeah, the matchmaker was really not thought through. I think... Brawl's always been less of a serious mode, if that makes any sense, though. It's always, it's always more a kind of a anything-goes kind of format. Yeah, but, but I feel like that format only works with small teams. That's right. Once you yeah. use it up yeah, to a random battle, one, it's... it's definitely like, you know, all three yeah. versus three. You don't really have those issues in the same way. Anyway, should we keep going? Yes. Um... Right, this this caused me some slight confusion when I first read it, but changes to rental commander. So this is for like clan battles and whatnot, rather than say commanders that come with uh, things like Halloween events, which is what I initially thought, or things like the um, commanders you were getting with submarines. Do you still get commanders with submarines? I don't think you do at this point. No, I don't um, think so. Yeah, so uh, you can't transfer them to different ships and rechange them uh or retrain them rather so basically they're fixed with the rental ships or i don't know how it works with rental commanders actually if they if you get the commander separately from the ship i don't know 
I've never used rental ships. So this, this one seems like kind of a minor change. Like maybe people were exploiting this somehow. Were they giving yeah, out 21 point commanders or something? It, it sounds like they may, maybe they, they repurposed their free rental commanders and used yeah. them elsewhere. Yeah, if it, if it was for that reason, I guess it'd be kind of understandable if Wargaming was like, no, we're not going to let you do that. Just have... I mean, it could also be that Randall Commanders got uh, removed and some people spent money on them transferring to other that ships and then got, got them removed. So don't know in which yeah. way people got screwed over, but yeah, minor change, I suppose. Yeah, in which case they'd rather do this than like give people refunds of doubloons or something, I suppose. Um, so then we have uh, some 4th of July stuff. So the, this is a bit wacky. Uh, there's going to be a special Lady Liberty commander with a unique voiceover and uh, a Lady Liberty, you know, Statue of Liberty uh, patch as well. Um, yeah, interestingly, uh, the commander icon, they've given it the the copper finish that the Statue of Liberty originally had rather than the by now very much more familiar to modern people uh, or, you know, to, to uh, today's uh, uh, world population, I suppose, uh, the, the the green sort of patina that it has um, uh, acquired over over the many decades at this point. Over 100 years old at this point, something like that. So that that's a nice touch. Although for some reason in the the patch, it's a kind of, Pewter grey? It's odd. It's it's neither the current colour nor the original colour. I don't know why they've gotten that kind of pewter grey colour from. Maybe, maybe, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they just thought it would fit better with, with backgrounds or with... Who knows maybe. What? So yeah, I am very curious to see what this unique voiceover is going to be. We'll see. I mean... Yeah, it's someone like with a really broad American accent, or is it going to be someone with a French accent to re- represent the, you know, the fact that this was a gift from France? Maybe. Also, like, you know, that's actually a good point. That it, 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 the, the the commander should work on US and French ships. That would make sense. Yeah, that would actually be a really nice touch if they did that. I don't know if they're going to, but yeah, it would be I mean, nice. They... The unique voiceover has certainly the potential to be cringy or to outrage quite a few people, as obviously here in Europe we can take uh, things like that with a chuckle. But I'm I'm really, uh, let's say, intrigued by this. They, I think they at least have the wherewithal to get, you know, an actual American voice actor to do yeah. the voice. Yeah, but, you know, Wargaming would have pretty easy access, I think, to voice actors for all sort of languages, and they they don't always manage. <laughs> True. Yeah, things like the yeah. the um, Canarius Captain's Spanish voiceover actually being South American Spanish rather than Spanish-Spanish in terms of accent. And, and I think... The, the, from what I've, I mean, I don't speak Dutch. It sounds very funny for a German-speaking person, but I've, well, from what I've heard, I is the Dutch is very crude. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's, it's, uh, it might not have gotten a Dutch person for now. Okay, interesting. Well, maybe they did, but it was from someone from like I don't know Friesland or somewhere with a, 
more unique. I mean, as, Dutch I, as, as I said, I don't actually speak Dutch, but I've heard Dutch people cringe about that. Yeah. I mean, it's also just possible that they picked very weird phrases that nobody would say. Maybe, yeah. I mean, the, the tend to the voiceover, the captain voiceovers, even the default ones, tend to be very bombastic anyway, and not really sound like how people would necessarily speak. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, it, it, it probably is going to be played up a bit and not be done in a particularly straight or serious way. Kind of like you know the the, the sort of. Uh, voiceover things you get for disaster movie trailers or thriller trailers or, you know, <laughs> that, that particular style of uh, ridic ridiculous voice that you only really find in that place. Um, there's also going to be a pair of achievements for the 18th season of Clan Battles, which is a pair of... Uh, well, it says they're going to be called Siren and Hurricane Siren. But they look more like salamanders? Or is that just me? Or is it like ah. axolotls or something like that? I'm uh, not sure yeah, where so siren is coming from, but yeah. That, that, that's not how, how I'd... I mean, maybe there is... Like, I'm not an expert on aquatic life forms, so it's possible that there is an actual sort of life form on Earth that's called Siren and it looks like this. But it's definitely not like the mytholo uh, mythological Siren <laughs> or that would come to mind. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm guessing that they were going for the idea of like sea sirens, but those were uh, traditionally like scantily clad women luring sailors to their deaths on the rocks rather than, you know, an axolotl. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't. I don't know. That one's a bit. Old. But so, by the way, um, what what we we didn't quite mention is: have you have you looked at the San Diego camo? <laughs> oh yes, there's also going to be the San Diego camo. Um, it, yes, again, the Statue of Liberty kind of theme, and it's it's uh, it's interesting at the front. Actually, you've got the the figurehead as the Statue of Liberty, and it, it's a, actually a, a mix of the kind of coppery look. Although honestly, it looks more like bronze than copper in that screenshot. Um, but um, then the the well the, the kind of the original um, you know bright copper look mm -hmm. versus the well, then they've got some kind of highlights of of the the patina. So yeah, I'm not sure about the rest of it though. I'm guessing it's supposed to give an idea of um, oh, what's the name of the island that the statue is on? Is it? Uh, it's not Island, island is of it? Liberty. No, I don't um, know. Gosh. I have to look this up. Uh, but yeah, I mean, with the stonework, though, I mean, it, it does look like they're going for that. The, the flag is a bit, you know, but... I mean, yeah, it's, for... it's not quite as oh, America as, as the old camels that they have with the eagle. It's literally called Liberty Island, apparently. I thought it was called something else. Maybe it used to be called something else. Possibly. I mean, it would have probably had a different name before they moved the statue there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it used to be called Bedlow's Island, apparently, so probably that's what I was thinking of. But, I mean, it's not bad overall. Bit of, yeah, there's kind of like a bit of stonework going on. And obviously there's the big kind of flag blowing back along it. So, I don't know. It's a, it's a little bit gaudy, but it's not bad. 
Yeah, I mean, I like the looks, personally. But I've always had a... a, a well, I always loved special camels, I guess. At least most of them. Oh, yeah, there's also Ellis Island, which is... Um, that's possibly also what I was thinking of. Which is very close by and also rather famous. Right, so that's it for that dev blog. Um... We have some uh, test ships, some changes to ships. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, what have we got here? So the mostly, I mean, changes to test ships we normally kind of skim over anyway. Um, Patry, interestingly, is getting a bit of a nerf because that that was, uh, yeah, that was pretty strong out of the gate. Uh, what they've actually done yeah. is they've removed the combat instructions. Uh, well, it says removed combat instructions activated by F key, and I presume that just means it doesn't have the combat instructions mode anymore. They've also yes. nerfed the reload time of the secondaries, and they have uh, increased the speed boost bonus to fifteen percent from eight percent, but they've reduced the action time. That that one's a bit of a mixed bag, but yeah, the fact that they've just straight up removed the kind of super ship mode, the uh, the combat instructions mm -hmm. uh, shows how much I guess that it was uh, a bit too strong. Also, uh, then an interesting note atop of it is a change to the Iwami. Now, the Iwami is, if I remember correctly, that. Uh, Supposed to be like a tier nine brawler with the, the magic hundred millimeter secondary sort of that they were going for with tops. I'm not sure if how they went with the armor, but it it sort of looked like they were going into a brawler direction with the ship. And now they're giving it the same torpedoes, the twenty kilometer torps as the Shima and the Yoshino. Yes, which doesn't <laughs> quite fit with the concept, but is an interesting choice for battleship. Oh, I forgot how many torps it has, and I also have no idea what the angles are, but. I I would guess it's a single launcher, but I honestly can't remember either. It's an interesting uh, choice. Yeah, and um, with that change, it's getting a lot of reload as well. So you're not going to be able to spam them out or anything. But uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. You know, even even more twenty kilometer dogs to dodge. So yay, uh, <laughs> Mecklenburg, that's getting a slight nerf to reload time, twenty five to twenty six. Um, submarines, the maximum distance from an undetected enemy sub at which its own ping emission effect could be displayed is reduced to one kilometer. So what was that before, like two kilometers? Uh, I don't know. It's a change that will do basically nothing. Yeah. It, it does, it, like, it, it's not changing the survivability of subs at all, so therefore, yeah, it's it's not going to... To do much. If it's if it's not a change to the homing torps or the survivability of submarines, then it's kind of playing around to the edges of the actual issues rather than addressing the actual issues. Although if they're really going to address the actual issues, you know, they could just take out submarines altogether. But uh, true, you know yeah. that that reminds me. Like they in the next patch, like they're changing the you can't see the ping anymore, but they basically display a sort of effect on the water that's basically almost invisible where the sub is supposed to be. But from what I've seen from, from other people who tested this, is the effect isn't necessarily close enough that you actually hit the submarine if you drop depth charges on it. So it's so far away from the submarine potentially that you can put your 
your plane depth charges exactly over the effect and not hit the submarine, even if it doesn't move. So it's uh, it's it's a shit show. Especially as they either have or are going to nerf the radius of damage from the airdropped depth charges, as we've mentioned previously. I don't think that's in effect yet, is it? Or is it? I can't Wait, remember. They, 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 yeah, well, they, but they, they, they included that the outer edges do damage. True, yeah. There, the, there the was some... Zero damage condition isn't as likely anymore, but yeah. Um, then we have yet yeah. more nerfs to the United States and the Eagle. Which are very well Just in the form of how long it takes the tactical squadrons to, to come available, but yeah. I mean, this they could balance fun. those tactical squadrons, or they'd be like, you know what, it just screws ships a little bit slower, because that makes it fine. Because yeah. in the end, that's like that, That's why the Wargaming tries to put the gameplay experience in a statistic, right? It's like, if you if if you like could one shot the ship, but it would need like eighteen minutes to reload, then they'd be like, "It's fine. You can only use it like once or maybe even twice a game, right?" And on a statistic, it wouldn't look too bad. But the experience of you know getting like one shot, it would never be fun. But it's really Wargaming's problem, right? They look at a statistic and they are like, you know, it's not that the interaction with one of those quadrants is so bad and so problematic it's like if if the, the problematic thing happens less often then it's all gonna be fine yeah because you know then it all averages out on the spreadsheet <laughs> and probably the most interesting thing on this is they're adding a test chip the connecticut and it's unlikely that, that uh, this just seems to be a thing um like they've done previously where they they make a copy of an existing ship, but they change some parameters, like they, they try out different things. So it's not clear if this is them considering changes specifically to the uh, the, the, the Vermont, which is going to be a copy of, or if they're maybe considering more general changes to the entire line, and they're just using this as a test bed. But um, yeah, it's going to, well, it says it has improved acceleration dynamics and stronger armor. Um, we're not entirely sure what improved acceleration dynamics means. It's got the it's same... also, by the way, is better concealment when you compare the stats, but it looks like it's the exact same as a Vermont, just with better acceleration, better armor, and better concealment. Yeah. So um, I, I, I wonder when they say acceleration, if they're actually going to bring, like, if it's going to be something more like what the, the, the British light cruisers have. Or do they mean more? In I terms think just more engine power, because Maybe. I think like the the engine power is like really bad on that thing. Uh, I'm just trying to. Does it have engine power specifically? I don't think it's a stat that you can see. Wales and the fitting tool. No, I don't think it does. So yeah, uh, I'll be interested to see what comes out of that. Um, my hope is it means they're going to look at buffing the entire line because I believe it means they just want to sell an overpowered Vermont for money. I mean, maybe, maybe it's just going to be, you know, there's going to be some kind of coal ship, research bureau ship, dockyard ship. I don't, I don't know. Let's be honest. Vermont is the only, I think, ship in the line that's actually decent. It's not fun to play, but Vermont is not just a, a weak ship because it has the, the high enough caliber for, for like the overmatch and it has good enough guns that it's a 
pretty decent long-range gun platform. It, the thing is, like, the Vermont is the one ship that doesn't need help, in a sense. So if they test anything on the Vermont, it wouldn't make any sense to test something different there and apply it to other ships. It really looks to me like they're just gonna be like, hey, you, you just want to sell a stronger Vermont. Maybe. It, it would be nice to know why they're doing this. They're just saying they're doing it. They're not giving any reason why they're doing it. So, yeah, we'll see. No, my, my, my hope is it means that we'll get buffs for... for you know, the Kansas and maybe even the like the Colorado like, with a bit, of, bit better acceleration would be nice. But yeah. Didn't they have like other, like I think Connecticut is just a ship that, like a premium ship that was purely been tested, but with other stats that didn't work so well. So now they're going with this. Possibly. I can't remember. Certainly not the first I mean, time they've done this sort of thing. But anyway, yeah, it, it, it doesn't look like it that, that like the firepower's not changing, so I mean um, I've which, looked at the stuff, I say, haven't seen anything like it seems same same like the same turning radius, same speed, same rudder shift, better on the sealman, uh, same AA, same secondaries, exactly yeah. same guns. It it's all the same except for better armor. It it would be like the stats don't show really is is you know which armor zones are changing or improving or whatever. So, I'm yeah, not... we we kind of just have to wait and see with that one, I suppose. But Vermont had, I think, uh, if I go here with the wiki, right? Uh, the wiki says a uh, 19 millimeter is like a low. I, is is it like has it like a very weak nose or something? Because they say plating is up to 32, and when I look at the wiki, yeah, it, it says that the um, Plating is like 19, so I presume they've just brought it in line if the ammo with other battleships. And they say plating, I mean, yeah, we don't know if that's going to be nose and after. Is that going to be like. Usually that's nose and after. Yeah. But, it wouldn't be deck because yeah. 32 would be kind of a low side potato. I can't even remember. I'm actually going to fire up the client and see. This might take a moment. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it might be that. that like the survivability is lower than they would like on this line. And that's why they're doing this. Because um one one of these th one of the things with with the um the I don't know what we could call them, the super standards. Uh, it, like if you pick wrong in terms of where you're gonna go on a a, a map, especially in the standard game, or even in a, yeah. in a domination game, or if your allies all just die, it's suddenly you get kind of left out of place. And at that point you're basically screwed. Or if you, even if you get hard focused and um, you know you just don't have the maneuverability to uh, effectively dodge out of the way, so uh, it it could be that is the reasoning behind this is to. But I mean, I'm changing like the speed. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, well, I suppose like the speed is kind of one of the hallmark characteristics of the line, so it would make more sense for them to do this than than go right. These go thirty knots now. I'm trying to find like the Reddit post about this, see if there were any. I don't think there were right, any. So, um, four and a half plating is currently thirty-two. Um, I don't. I, what what plating they're referring to? Then maybe superstructure. That would be very heavy superstructure armor. Let's see. Has anyone wrote anything about the? Yeah, somebody might have data mined this. 
the upper belt plating's thirty-eight. I'm just, I'm just wondering what what is being increased to thirty-two, or unless the thirty-two just is referring to the end plating and its other armor zones that are going to be increased, like deck armor. Deck armor would be a big one in terms of survivability, or the upper side plating. I mean. Uh, Torpedo bulge, that's 38 millimeters. So I don't know. That doesn't seem to be. It doesn't seem to be any information. Like, no, nobody knows what's, uh, like, what, what's the point of Kinetican. Yeah, it, it, this is almost, to be honest, this is almost going back to the, the bad old days of like dev blogs and patch notes when it was just like, we've made this change. Doesn't tell you, you know, what changes they've made or why they've made the changes. So at least they've they've uh, given some stats, but um, yeah, without further context, we really can't we really can't say. You know, you say, well, we've given improved acceleration dynamics and stronger armor, and then don't actually explain what that means in some detail. It's kind of useless to then give you know other ship stats that don't include those so who knows there's a bit of a question mark over that we don't know why they're doing it and we don't know really what the changes are we just know that they are doing it so five out of ten for communication on that particular item I think. <laughs> you got halfway there well so then we to no, i was just gonna go on to the next one unless you've got yeah. more to say about the... no no yeah so um, more British battlecruisers, and I think these are the tiers we didn't get to see last time. So, Indefatigable at tier 3, which has actually got a really interesting turret arrangement. I think... Uh, oh, what was it called? It's like... Uh, it's some French term. It's on something. But okay. it, it's weird kind of cross-deck diagonal arrangement that was supposed to give um, better firepower coverage. But they shoot but, on both sides, I presume. Yes, to a limited degree. Do you want to go for a broad side? Life, uh, it also ended up causing um, some real stability issues, having these, these um, you know, the barbettes or whatever, right up against the side of the ship, essentially. So... Um, yeah, it was a bit of a failed concept, but it's interesting to see it in-game because I don't think we have any other examples of it. We do have other ships that have side-mounted turrets at low tiers, but I don't think we have anything that are anything in like this um, configuration. I mean, the problem is that there are no players playing tier 3 anyway, so it's, uh, it's interesting as the slower tier ships are. You either play co-op or you sit uh, five minutes in queue and then play co-op regardless because it just feels a random battle with bots. I suppose, I suppose so, yeah. It's not going to affect most people. I, just, I think it's just more interesting from a sort of slight historical um, point of view. Yes, see, that's the sad part. There would be, like, interesting ships at lower tiers. It's just that Wargaming has made them so... raised them out, basically, so nobody plays them. I might be slightly Since... wrong, actually. The Koenig Albert and the Von der Tan have kind of the same layout, but I don't know if they have particularly good cross-deck firing capabilities. Also, I I, I, I really vote to it was I vote to rename this tier three to impronounceable. 
Oh yeah, indefatigable is going to be an interesting one for the non-English speakers to try and. What what's the meaning <laughs> of that word? Like, is that an actual word? Yes, um, it's actually. I think there's royal, there's been actual ships named that as well, but it's also the name of the ship that um, uh, some of the Horatio Hornblower ship uh, uh, books mm-hmm. were uh, set on. Um, it kind of means. Uh, I'm going to have to look up an exact definition. I kind of, it's one of those words where I could use it in the right concept, uh, in the right context, rather. But trying to give an actual uh, definition is, uh, uh, yeah. Now I have to actually spell it. I mean, I could have to, uh, like, obviously I'm, I have never heard this word before. Looking at it, like, there is sort of it's, defeat in it, or there is, like, not, a fatigue in it? I think it kind of means it's sort of like, you know, like, tireless or undefeatable, or it, it's kind of okay. supposed to be like that sort of, uh, yeah. Right. Oh, here we go. I found managed to spell it correctly. I mean, it could uh, mean tireless, I guess, looking at the word. Yeah, yeah, uh, I think that's... Okay, synonyms. Inexhaustible, tireless, unflagging, yeah. untiring, weariless. So it, it's supposed to, like, it, it, it'll, you know, it'll just keep going and going and going kind of thing. But yeah, it, it's definitely a very old-fashioned sort of word in English. You wouldn't really find it used in any context outside of referring to Royal Navy ships of that name. Then an easier-to-pronounce battleship is the Renown. Yes, I think everyone... Yeah, I think we knew this was going to be a tier 6. That's a good-looking model, I have to say. Uh, It looks like it's the refit Renown. Uh, What was refit? Um, The ship was armed with... uh, Yeah, underwent an extensive retrofit in the 1930s which strengthened its armor and AA defenses. So this, this is... Um, it depends which ship. I mean, this is going to be one of those things where you're getting into some ships were refitted mm-hmm. slightly differently. So it's going to be like um, the Queen Elizabeth we have in game looking different from the War Spike because they both had different sets of refits. And I think the, the refit that the QE represents, I think only two of the QE ships had that and others looked different. Or was it like four had that and the other two looked different? I can't remember. But um, yeah, this 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 might represent one specific of the renowns, uh, or it might be more a kind of a little bit of a mix and match. How many were there? You know, there was like two of them. Yeah, there was two of them. What's interesting to me is that they say like that it has what more more AA strength with its armor and its AA defenses, but you don't see much AA on the side. Like usually, I feel like the on the side, like next to the tower, and so you would see an AA suit. Yeah, I, I presume mean, it's all in this the was back. an American battleship. Give, I mean, bear in mind this is a 1930s refit, so this was before yeah. the very, very painful lesson of um, uh, was it Duke of York or was it Prince of Wales? And was it Renown itself? I honestly can't remember, but the two that got sunk by the Japanese after their declaration of war. And you know the, 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 that were part of the 
the the ships that were supposed to defend Singapore. And that proved to be a very, very costly lesson for the Royal Navy in terms of um, not, you know, just relying on the the AA of capital ships, but also having much beefier AA on their, their capital ships and, you know, making sure, especially near land, that, 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 that there was, you know, air cover available for them because they basically went out more or less unescorted. I think maybe there was some destroyers with them or something. And they didn't have any kind of um, land-based coverage. So when the land-based Japanese torpedo bombers just came out in waves, they were basically screwed at that point. Hey, I mean, at, at least it means that about one HE shell will disable all of your anti-air on the Renault. <laughs> it does have, I'm pretty sure, perched on top of one of the turrets. That looks like an unrotated projectile launcher, the, the same that you find on the hood. So, who knows? Well, I guess we'll see. Yeah. Anyway, that, that is a good-looking ship, though, I have to say. Really nice. True. Ten out, 10 out of 10 on the ship models, as per usual. Then we have the Hawkett Tier 8. Yes. Now, uh, does it say what this is? I think they said in that linked... I think they've actually linked it... Um, what they were based on. It might be one of these G3 slash N3 proposals or uh, the, the, the variations and designs that were around that. Um, but yeah, it it's actually got one of the more conventional layouts of the high-tier ones. And uh, at, at Tier 8, 9... 16-inch guns, that's that's pretty decent. That, that's on a par with North Carolinas and all the rest, so... I mean, it depends, obviously, on gun characteristics and reloads and such. Yeah. We actually have some stats for that afterwards. I imagine these will not be the same 16-inch guns that the Nelson has. I would be surprised. Good question. But, I mean, there, there is, like, when we talk about those, the big elephant in the room, that those British battleships will benefit from the new torpedo turning mechanic. Yeah, no, this this is interesting, because, um, and again, this is a thing I've, I've gone and watched videos about elsewhere, is, is how they actually launched torpedoes from battleships. And they have this whole complicated deflector system for actually launching the torpedoes into the water. They would actually extend things out of the side of the ship, so it provided a buffer against the water flowing past, because otherwise you might end up with the, the torpedo coming partway out and then the water, you know, the pressure of the water mm -hmm. going past kind of just sort of jams it in place, which would obviously be very bad for everyone concerned. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there's that whole thing going on. And then, um, as it says, it's, it's based on um, the ability of real-life torpedoes. I mean, submarine torpedoes could do this as well. You didn't have to exactly have your um unlike will of warships where you have that kind of narrow uh, band with with sub torps and other um well i think the only other single kind of mounted uh, torps that would sort of be in this category would be uh, mutsu with its very narrow angles um but yeah um that you could program torpedoes to basically come out and then make a turn mm -hmm. so 
uh, that that's a, a capability that has not been in the game up until now, but it looks like they're introducing it specifically for these to overcome the fact that otherwise you would just have these extremely narrow side on top angles that you would only ever be able to use if you were showing full broadside like the Mutsu. And obviously in a battle cruiser, you're probably not going to want to do that. So um, yeah, I, I think it, it, it will actually make the torpedoes more than just the occasionally usable gimmick as they are with Mutsu, which is it's I mean, nice to see. It's it's something that we'll will need to to as like it doesn't say how much they turn and bas- basically what it yes, says is that after the launch they will uh, correct the course towards I think the selected target and then they'll just go in a straight line. So basically, it's not like a submarine homing torpedo. It will just turn oh, no, once no, 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 and then like that. And keep going. It's essentially, I mean, um, having been playing um, U-boats a bit, I don't know how many people here will have played that or seen gameplay footage, but um, yeah, that that very definitely features this as a, a thing you do with your, your torpedoes. So you, and uh, anyone that's watched Cold Waters, for instance, um, even with the the dumbfire torpedoes, you can still select a heading that's not necessarily you know straight out the front of the ship kind of thing. So it's it's basically going to be that you will be able to select the heading. The torpedo will pop out, turn to that heading, and then just go off in a straight line. I wonder if you can like torpedo yourself with that. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think you could make them turn that radically. Well, uh, it's, I'm not, nece- I mean, it's weird to have a mechanic like that on Battleship, but I'm not necessarily against this. It's like, I, I wouldn't have been, like, personally, I wouldn't be opposed, like, as long as Midianet Homing, that you have different launch patterns for torpedoes anyway. I'd mostly be thinking about destroyers, like, slightly curved torpedoes. I would have no problem with that, like, if you set the curve and, and they go, obviously. I'm not sure what this would do to the gameplay, but I wouldn't mind if options like this were in the game. That would be a bit ahistorical, but there were things like um, uh, pattern-running torpedoes. I think the Germans had those. I don't know if anybody else had. But you would basically pop them out. They would go in a straight line, and these were specifically for use against Mm -hmm. Convoy. And they would then enter... um, I guess you call it a search pattern, but not really. It was just like they they sort of go in a you know kind of sine wave kind of line, or um, they kind of zigzag a mm-hmm. bit more sharply. I can't remember the exact patterns, but essentially you would fire them, and if it was a dense enough convoy, it gives you an increased chance of as it's going along its its pattern after it's run straight for a bit, uh, it would then um, have a greater chance of actually hitting something. So. Uh, I mean that that maybe could be a thing, where that would really only work against like fairly dense clumps of enemy ships in World of Warships, as opposed to very slow-moving convoys. But it would be it would be interesting if if we see this more applied to certain other ships that have very very narrow drop angles. I mean, honestly, if if Wargaming has a mechanic in the game, they usually spread it far and wide. So, unless this turns out horribly wrong, even then they probably spread it. (laughs) Bear in mind, these are going to be single tubes. And I think the 
the the Brits tended to use twenty one inch torps, so we're not talking like abnormally large torpedoes or anything. We're not talking like Japanese long lance sized torps. Um, so yeah, uh, it, it's it's definitely going to improve the usability of the torpedoes, but um, it sort of depends like how quickly they reload. I mean, for example, the renowned so has eight, have... eight torpedoes with 10k damage each, but not very fast in six kilometer range. Yeah, so you're gonna, they're going to be fairly like. I mean, these are eight single tubes, so it's presumably going to be yes. four per side. There were even some earlier battleship designs, and we're, we're going like back to kind of World War One, where you had four and after torpedo launchers as well. But, but you have to keep in mind, you know, it, it depends on how much the turn. So if you're like going sort of nose in towards an enemy or how much side do you have to give to launch from one side and then turn and launch the other side. Obviously, with six kilometer range, yeah. you have to get fairly close. But yes, it's it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a little bit of extra punch and it will make it a bit more dangerous for other people to get close to these ships. I mean, you know, you look at. Turpits and Scharnhorst with their six kilometer torps, you know, you get to use them sometimes. So it's it's going to be um, nothing new in terms of gameplay. It's just the the mechanic that has been introduced to make these torpedoes usable. Yes, I mean because the there question are other ships is in games that that have these underwater tubes that you know obviously aren't usable. I mean the question is how how well are those ships going to hold up in close combat? Because six kilometer torpedoes is great if you're a brawler, if you can. Actually, yes. close the distance at times, but if you're getting well, wrecked, well, you're not him. going to have the armor scheme of a, <laughs> a Turpitz or a Shan horse to work with. So we'll see. And those also have their secondaries to rely on as well. Yeah, th- so, yeah. those secondaries are probably not going to be the best. So I don't think this is going to be a major source of damage for these ships, but uh, it could be. It could be useful, and it's going to make it a little more difficult for people to to rush them but yeah they're not particularly powerful or fast torpedoes and actually it does give reload time so um yeah 95 seconds so uh it's not going to be like the mutsu where they reload in what like 25 30 seconds that's quite a long reload Anyway, it's it's going to be interesting to see how yeah. they actually play. But for, I think for actually using them, it's just going to be like using regular single launch torpedoes. It's also interesting that they've said in the past that they weren't sure which concept to go with with those ships, and now they are trying out this this torpedo tuning mechanic. So it's entirely possible that, like, since they're trying two different concepts with those ships in the first place, or at least I haven't heard anything that they've settled for one. There's a lot still up in the air when it comes to starts to the British. True, yes. That's definitely true. Uh, So we also have announced the Huron, which is going to be a Canadian tribal. And I can't remember if... Is this linked to all of the stuff that happened with Little White Mouse? I have a feeling it might be. Yes. I think it's, we've, it's still sort of non-apology ship. Yeah. So this is this is going to be interesting. Um, in that, I mean, we already have got the uh, the Hyder at, at tier seven, um, but that 
has rather pitifully bad AA. And it's uh, not it's like AA not... makes any difference. No, I know. I, I, this, this might have better AA, but it, I, yeah, it probably won't be enough AA to make any difference. But it's, it's um, hopefully going to be better than God. What does Hyder even have for AA? Uh, actually, Hyder's AA is not that terrible. Maybe it's Cossack I'm thinking of that has really terrible AA. It must be Cossack. Um, but yeah, it, it, it does know that maybe the AA is going to be a little bit better. Uh, we'll see. I mean, that uh, aside, we'll... what they are going for here is an open water gunboat while uh, stating that your guns are not going to work as an open water gunboat, which is, you know, a pretty pretty weird concept to have. But they, they basically state that the arcing trajectory of the main guns will facilitate firing at targets from behind island cover, but make it difficult to enemies at extreme ranges. So they basically state that you want to get close or something, but it's, it's not going to work well at, at, at longer ranges. And they're giving yeah. it shit concealment and removing the smoke and forcing you to go... Uh, far away and open water gunboat. So they, they have conflicting design philosophies already. It's, it is a bit odd. It's not like if you're expecting it to be uh, a, a copy of the Hydra, it's definitely not going to be that. I mean, no smoke. Um, long range Hydra, it says. Does it have how it, long? Only 500 it? meters more, I think. Okay. Because so, I think it's pretty. Where are we? Well, but the stops. range is the same. Uh, same single quad launcher, eight kilometer torps. I think that's the same. Yeah, it, it has uh, it has four kilometer height, which I mean isn't the worst at this tier. Yeah, at tier seven. But keep um, in mind that you have uh, you have seven point one base concealment, and you can't mount a module at this tier. Yes, the concealment is definitely not going to be nearly as good as the hider. The hider is uh, a. a Pretty uh, big outlier at tier seven. There's not very many tier seven destroyers that have less than six kilometers concealment. Um, there's Haida, there's Shiratsuyu, and there might be one or two others, but everything else is around six one to six eight. Yes. So it's not going to be like an outlier in terms of uh, not great concealment for tier seven. But if you're expecting this to be super sneaky like the Hyder, you probably will be disappointed. Yeah, you you cut down to what, like six four or so with a captain, I presume. And Which is something... about uh, okayish concealment at this tier, but it doesn't yeah. make you super sneaky. It's the thing is like they they basically gave you the 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 idea is that you have a long. I think a long duration engine boost, and you are supposed to open water gunboat. What's your range? Both point the range. Yeah, the range is the same as the Hyder, so that hasn't changed. I mean, you can get the captain's kill, but they, they clearly state that your shell characteristics are going to be very bad at range. So you're at this weird situation where you. If you want to open water gunboat, you want to be at range because that's your defense is dodging. Uh, but you the, don't have the shells to be at range. I think the base reload is going to be... I'm just looking now. A half second better, I think. Yeah, like better that. than either Cossack or... like It's still going to have six barrels. 4.5 seconds is, is decent. It's not like a massive pew-pew boat, but 
That's that's not bad. But what are the angles gonna be? I seem to remember it having quite decent angles overall. I mean, I, just, the, I haven't played either of the the Cossack or the Hyder that recently, though. So I, can't. I think the Hyder had like really terrible angles because it had relatively powerful guns, but it had to basically go full broadside to use them. But I could be misremembering. Chat might be able to correct us if we say something horribly wrong about the yeah. So yeah, we'll see what that's like. Um, yeah, it's it's gonna be more of a open water gunboaty ship. But as you say, I don't know how well the platform actually suits that. I mean, it gets a heal. Yeah. So, this, uh, is there any other tier seven destroyers that have a heal? I honestly can't remember. That's actually a good question. That that might end up being its its most unique feature. Um, oh yeah, the Scorner, obviously. The, of, of the Swedish destroyers, of course, ah. they all have heels. I think that's it, though. Possibly. I don't think there's any possibility of taking it on the Soviet line. Which is yeah, that's only the it hasn't that, that's where it split, so it's the Minsk. The Minsk definitely doesn't have a heel. I can't remember any of the others having a heel, so yeah, that that like if it's a better heel than the Scorner gets, um that like maybe the Scorner is, you know, the thing that we should be con, uh, comparing it to, really. Yeah, well, but the the, the Scorner has better like torpedoes, like it's it's a bit more yes. torpedo focused. So they're weak, but you know they reload quickly, and you have a very good range with them, and they're pretty fast. Yeah, and I mean you have I think six or so on on this cone, but this this thing has four. True. Yeah, you've got you've got the same single launcher as the the well as the tribals had. So it's the the, the torpedoes are definitely a secondary consideration. It does seem to be much more about the guns. So we'll see how that works out. Um, it, it might not be quite as versatile or fun to play with as the Hyder, which is, to be honest, I mean, it's one of those ships when I see one at tier seven, like generally speaking, it's somebody that knows what they're doing. And without 5.7 concealment, it can be an absolute little terror. Yeah, but you so. run into them very, very rarely in my experience. Anyway, um, moving on we have what I think is the original design for the Ashton Core. I think the Rio de Janeiro. Uh, no idea. It's a oh, unique seven turret dreadnoughts built in Great Britain for the Brazilian Navy in the early it's 1910s. Ashton Core, and this is the only it's the only ship I can think of that 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 does match it. I mean, the superstructure looks a bit different, but yeah, I think it is. I think it's the original configuration for the Agincourt because what happened with the Agincourt, it was being built for Brazil and then World War One happened and um, the, the Royal Navy went, right, we're going to need all the ships we can get and basically, um, or was it? No, it was going to be built for Brazil and then that fell through and then Turkey was going to buy it. I think that's that's one of the factors that led to Turkey the, the Ottoman Empire mm-hmm. coming in on the side of the uh, 
of the uh, of Germany and Italy and uh, not not Italy, Germany and uh, Austria, Hungary. Um, so yeah, I'm just looking at the Ashen Call now. Yeah, it's the same tart arrangement and same hull and everything. So yes, this this is what the Ashen Call was originally have going to have been in South American service. So it has notably got that kind of bar structure above the the mid turrets but otherwise it looks pretty identical to the Agincourt. Some minor differences with superstructure, but that's it. So, um, yeah, it's it's kind of going to be what we have in the game already, but they do note that the uh, it, it's going to be more HE-focused. So they say it's going to have high-damage HE shells, and it'll have good armor pen, Presumably they mean with its A... What do they mean HE pen? Presumably they mean HE pen. Uh, the AP shells oh, are well. weaker than those on battleships of the same tier. But it's also going to have no AA, like Agincourt does. Nobody so, has anti-AA this tier. That, that's, that's true, but it, it has that effect of players, if they know that you have absolutely none, you know, sometimes you will get carriers going for you specifically. Even though effectively... I'm not sure if that is an actual effect of chat feels like it because it, it doesn't matter what ship I'm in. I know, and I know. You, you can be in a Texas and they just keep in, going for you. In reality, it doesn't matter, but I have had that happen enough that I know there are some players out there who do think that way. They're, they're, they're seeing Arkansas Beta or an Ashing Core or something with very, very low or non-existent AA. They will prioritize you because they know that like dodging is your only defense. They don't risk losing any planes whatsoever, even though effectively it's no different than if they went after some other battleship. So, look, I've I've been focused in a Holland, in a Des Moines, in a Wooster, in a, in a I, I've been in a Wooster, and the enemy carrier only a tank medium. Like it's it's like the anti-air does not really filter into to carriers' uh, decisions these days. I, yeah, that's I mean that's kind of generally true. Um, so, just looking at it versus Agincourt, but, it's got a main, uh, better main battery range by nearly a kilometer. I mean, they, they state that unlike Agincourt, Udishner has more accurate main battery guns, better HE shares, faster reload time, but also weaker secondary. And I presume okay. weaker AP as well. I mean, do they actually give the AP shell stats? 8100? Uh... No, that's the same. Maybe it's when they say weaker AP, then I don't know. I mean, it could be like, like penetration mechanics that we can't see. Yeah, it might be more of the hidden stats. Uh, 76 millimeters of penetration on the agent core. So I wonder if this uh, 32% fire chance. That's actually one less than the agent core. Or have I got a flag on the agent core? I don't know. Um, yeah, I think. If we're looking at the description, it sort of like on face value looks like they're describing it versus the Ashen Core. But no, I think the main battery is basically, uh, aside from the the possibly the Sigma, what's the Sigma of the Ashen Core? Um, Pretty, yeah, probably it, really bad. You're basically going to lose the, the completely standard secondary range for the for the tier, um, but your main battery might be a bit bit more accurate, or you know get to fire main battery a bit more often. 
I don't know. But it, absolutely, it's going to be just a, a fire spitter if it's yeah. the same characteristics as the Ashton Core. It's, it's, yeah, I mean, they, they basically go, uh, mention it outright. It's supposed to just set everything on fire. And 5,200 has a, is a pretty scary AGL far, I suppose. Yeah. If, if you get, I mean, I've played the Ashen Core a bit and it's kind of fun at the tier. Um, the AP is still very useful. I mean, bear in mind, there's mm. lots of not very armored targets of that tier. Uh, if, if you get same tier or maybe, some tier six targets <laughs> you get certainly broadsides uh the ap could be really very effective and um the extra range and the extra uh reload is uh not not going to hurt at all i mean um yeah uh it it's it, it's it's a variation of a ship we already have in game but it, it's it's interesting to see it as a kind of historical what if what if the ship had been built and delivered to the Brazilian Navy as was a you know originally planned kind of thing, and it's a way for them to add something into the Brazilian or the you know the True. South American ship line. So yeah, uh, let's see. Then we have the Hampshire. Yes. Uh, oh yeah. Oh, that's a big increase on. Um, Sorry, I was, I was comparing the Sigma stats. 1.5 oh. for the Ashen Core. So 1.7 is still not great, but it's a big step up from 1.5. So, yeah. Watch out for yep. the Rio de Janeiro's when they appear, I suppose. Just just bring something to barbecue, because you'll be on fire. Yes. Anyway, yes, Hampshire. So that's the last thing they mention, which is uh, it's going to be an AP only uh, it says development of the Surrey class which uh, were uh, I think they were one of the subclasses of the county class heavy cruisers, so this was obviously some um, uh, kind of uh, proposed way of uh, sort of taking the design and extending it a bit. Uh, and it's actually, it looks like, like just comparing it to the Surrey, it's obviously longer and it's got essentially an extra turret at the front. So it almost looks like a, a kind of weird hybrid of the Surrey and some of the Japanese cruisers that yeah, have was forward turret arrangement. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking something like a tag or so with the forward charge arrangement. Yeah. I mean, so, it's yeah. going to be a interesting. always kind of limits the, for a heavy cruiser anyway, kind of limits the, um, the interest and effectiveness. Um, but it is going to have light cruiser acceleration. Um two quad top launchers. I think that's is that what Surrey has, or has it got triples? No, it's got quads. Which I think are in the same place. Yeah, hull mounted towards the rear. Presumably armor is going to be not too different from what the Surrey has. Uh, and then they um, go into a bit about conventions, which is a thing they've been doing recently. It's always funny when they give like one one paragraph about the characteristics and they do like three or four paragraphs on why we chose this name. So it's a nice bit of information, but it would be nice to... Well, I mean, you know, I do give the snots. 
yeah. If we have more kind of uh, yeah. Anyway, so it's uh, gonna be well, interesting because it's. I mean, it's a five fifteen point seven range, which is not the best, and it has AP only. So and and it's weak armor. So it's it's a cruiser you want to play at range, but at range I, AP only can be a bit tricky. Yeah, it's that, that like the fact that it's AP only is what makes me think this is going to be kind of niche um i mean it, it it's not like you get that many dedicated players of the british heavy cruisers anyway to be honest so it's it's already a bit of a niche market but the fact that they've, they've then made that ap only um yeah uh, is it gonna be especially stealthy uh, twelve free detection. I mean, twelve free. You have a, it's eight, right? So you have the the yeah. concealment and the module. So I'll be able to get that down to probably around like ten. Yeah, sure, should, should be around ten. Maybe nine, eight so, or so. Yeah, it'll be sneaky. But uh, I think I think for a lot of people, the the AP only is going to be the make or break characteristic because one of the few um, good things about the uh, British heavy cruisers is that they tend to be like the the, the shells themselves have got uh, a pretty decent chance of starting fires, but mm-hmm. the overall. Um, like that, you compare them to things like the the French, where you get better range and you have faster ships and better armor, or um, like Japan, where you tend to just have more barrels available and uh, better torpedoes to go with them. Um, yeah, yeah, they just it's, have nothing special going for them. Yeah, so it's, it's like that. That's that's their one sort of strength is that that they're sneaky and that they can be decent fire setters but if it doesn't have the decent fire setting then i'm I'm not sure i'm not sure this is going to be a particularly strong ship to be honest i mean it, it doesn't make up for it with any special consumables it's just uh the usual damage con hydro defensive and uh a fighter slash spotter i mean like that's a lot of 200 freeze with with better angles that could be rather scary but will I mean obviously it's harder to use armor piercing than the high explosive I can just spam and at range it, this is always gonna be tricky to get the good hits, but well I it we'll have to see it, how good those It will be advantageous in certain um specific scenarios. But there are also gonna be lots of scenarios where it's gonna be a major disadvantage. You know, anybody with any decent amount of armor that's angled, and then you're stuck trying to hit the superstructure. And that's gonna be especially true. true of battleships. Um, even things like if you get broadside battleships and you're trying to aim for upper belt, um, you know, there's there's a high chance you'll you'll get the shells not going where you want, or they'll just shatter or whatever. So um yeah, it's to be honest, I I personally would really struggle to be interested in this one. It it kind of feels like they've found something in the archives somewhere and decided to slap this AP only gimmick on it. I feel like uh, I'd be interested yeah. to to division it maybe with a smoke vacuum recent uh, 
positioned more aggressively and used them on piercing because I I like the British light cruisers. And but they are very flexible when it comes to their smoke and very easy to position aggressively. It's what this thing is lacking. If you're forced to to sit at long range, I would probably not want it. But if you if you wish it with something that allows you to get closer. Pose. Why not? Um I mean it does one difference between the, the main branch is it does have the option of a fighter instead of a fighter or you know, and just the spotter, but to be honest, um I think you would probably just go with the spotter always anyway, especially at, at tier eight when um, having, having a somewhat limited range on a squashy cruiser, you know, can be a very painful experience. So yeah, but keep in mind that, that you, you boost your range of your armor piercing. That's going to be planching fire at that range. And that's 203 planching fire aren't going to yeah. be that impressive with armor piercing. So yeah, it, it's, it's, it, Honestly, just kind of feels like a bit of a... Like, how much effort went into remodeling this versus an entire new ship? Because it really is just a stretched Surrey with a little bit of the forward superstructure removed and an extra turret put in there. It kind of feels like they came across this when it's close enough to the Surrey that we can do some remodeling without starting from scratch with an entire new ship and hey presto we have ourselves a tier 8 premium we can sell yeah so, well i also yeah. mean keep in mind that the stats are subject to change they could very easily slap high explosive on it if they feel like it's worth pointing out i suppose it would be a fairly major change if they went from ap only to giving it also he shells but yeah yeah if this had he i would actually find it interesting this would be um, uh, it would be might maybe more comparable to like the eight-inch Megami, for instance, or Atago, or something like that. But um, yeah, I mean, it very notably does not have a heel, so you know that that's always a limiting factor with your squashy tier eight cruisers. So yeah, I I feel this one is pretty niche. AP Probably. only, no heel. Yeah. Right, that's that for that page. Um, can I just say one once more how how nice the renown looks, though? <laughs> Definitely, they've 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 really done it justice. That is a uh, it's got some lovely looking lines on it. And now imagine Definitely just that. like a bright pink cam on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, so the. That was it for the dev block. Yeah, so there are two, two other small tidbits. So there, there is one thing that I really wanted to talk about, and this is, people might have seen it. There is, Wargaming released a video on why we need uh, UX research. Now, at first I was confused what UX is means, but it's user experience, right? And they have a 20, about 22 minute video about how they research the user experience. Because we all know Wargaming doesn't seem to care an awful lot about user experience and doesn't filter it into the decision-making an awful lot. And there are, I mean, you can all watch this video yourselves if you want to. There are basically two things that stand out to me. First, they seem to have a user experience research department and they only do surveys and sort of what they call the lab life testing, however they they want to call it. Basically, they invite people over to, to their facilities and 
creepily watch them play World of Warships. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you, you see it in the video. You see a person that plays in as somebody else, like sitting right next to the thing. She, she has a notebook or so, just staring at the person playing. I would feel slightly awkward doing that, but be that as it may. The thing that stands out to me is that in the whole user experience video, they don't mention things like, you know, the forums, the, the Reddit, uh, the, the contributors or any, any feedback they collect. They'd be like, yeah, we have, we have surveys and we invite the, some people over to the studio to play some warships. The one thing about inviting people over is like they do things like eye tracking and so on and try to figure out what, what people focus on while they're playing and so on. But what I want to point out is that they have, they have to be people close to their studio, which means it's a very small geographic location where they invite people to come over and play. The next thing is anyone you invite over to your studio to play and is like watched and monitored while doing so is not going to behave naturally in any way or form. So anything you get from this is highly suspect in the first place. The other part like about the service in the video is that it, obviously like the developers don't actually see the server results. You have this whole department that goes through them and compiles them and forwards the relevant bits. They, they, they say they, they t take out the emotions and only forward the facts. Whatever that means, I'm not sure how much of that gets lost on the way so it's it's like for for what i'm saying that i have like this whole user experience research department i seem to have awfully like it doesn't feel like they actually try to collect user experience but that's what what came from you right they they try to it's once again wargaming things user experience is just a, a spreadsheet right basically the whole department is putting user experience in a spreadsheet uh, compiling sort of spreadsheets for the developers. I, I have to say, I, I have to kind of disagree with you a bit. I mean, for one thing, I think it's useful to define that when, when we're talking about user experience, they really mean the UI, the interface, like the nuts and bolts. So just just for anyone that's thinking they mean kind of more general gameplay experience, they really mean... Uh, they like mean what, no, no, no. They mean also general gameplay experience. Well, I mean, they, they did say that they include some stuff of uh, uh, like that in their surveys at the request of other departments, but... Um, yeah, I mean, their, their job is to, to compile everything that they can. Like, they, they show yeah, even... I mean, they, all, they also do all the stuff like compiling the, the, the survey data and putting up the... But stuff like the eye tracking and the in-person stuff, like, that that was very specifically focused on... Yes, you know, on who, the UI. ...how you look at what bit of the screen and, and, you know, information that pops up and how people use that and whether people notice it and stuff like that. And I kind of take what you're saying about it being quite artificial in nature and having a kind of a limited pool size of people they can invite to the, the studio where they have all this stuff up uh, set up, which is presumably St. Petersburg. And, um, you know, they, they had one or two anecdotes in there as well um, about, you know, people coming in in person and being kind of nervous about it and, and whatnot. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's one of those things where it's like, well, there's kind of not really any other way to do it. And so long as they're treating this as a limited sort of data set, they're not like basing things on it too heavily. Um, that I, I personally think it's fine to 
do it in this more um, kind of personalized way. I mean, they they did specifically um, in, in the video they show people you know watching the people playing from the other yes. room as well. So it's not the whole gaggle of developers peering over a guy's shoulder as he as he navigates through the port or anything like that. But um, I think in the proper context, it it's fine, um, and it it's. It's maybe more like this whole video is maybe more interesting as a you know kind of a process video of how they do things, um, as you know a bit of extra information for players. But it, it's I don't know it, it it did to me feel a bit like filler content. Like there wasn't really anything groundbreaking or earth shattering, or necessarily that interesting. They didn't really present much in the way of like hard data or. Um, particular like they had very few examples of of what their their collation of feedback and their research you know the changes that that's actually um, implemented in game is that sound meowing in the background yes that that's also something that i thought interesting because they were specifically asked to provide examples when the feedback of the players changed what they were doing. And the examples they could come up with is that they made a tooltip or so that you can zoom in because new players weren't aware of that, like at, at uh, yeah. the early stages of the game. And it's where like they couldn't actually come up with a recent example and they couldn't come up with an actual gameplay example of how they did things. And they also, the one thing about the, the, how they like evaluate service when you put text in. So they basically, they have bots searching through the answers. And if there is a certain keyword that comes up a lot, then this is what they will focus on and then go manually through the answers and compile the information out of them, which we obviously showed a, a site that's basically had sub half of the, the, the screen was filled <laughs> yeah, with sub like and then the submarine and so on. Thing, which basically it. shows that all of, or most of the feedback is about submarine. It also mentioned that in in certain service, people just use any text friends that they can get a hold of to try to provide feedback that's not asked about because they they, they get asked in the server, hey, do you think this looks, port looks pretty? And they're like, guys, I want to actually provide interesting feedback here. Like, I, I want to have certain issues addressed. And they're like, oh, pe- people just use those, misuse those to just give, give different feedback. And it's like, yeah, because that's what the people care about. Basically, this whole thing was awkward in a, in it's like they don't care. The, the thing that I got from this video is that Wargaming has a very inefficient way of gathering feedback, ignores the actual feedback, and just puts up... Uh, it's, it's, it's like... Uh, I don't know. How you can spend a lot of money without getting any results and ignoring the actual problem. That, that's what it feels like to me. On the one hand, I can see like that specific thing where they were saying, you know, if, if they're, they're asking specific questions, they, they, you know, if somebody gives a, an answer that's completely not related, I can kind of see why they would then disregard that. But you would hope they at least would have sort of general notes going on to the developers of, you know, well, like a bunch of people mentioned this, even though the survey is not about that sort of thing. So. But we don't we don't know. They may just discard that kind of data completely. I mean one thing they did point out was that a lot of people treat it as though it's kind of being personally read by all the developers, whereas True. um it, it does and this this was one of the more interesting points is is the everything goes back through the the user experience department to um uh, basically be kind of 
digested. So um, stuff like the the tick box surveys or the the radio button surveys, where it's it's kind of very defined answers. You know, it's very easy to collect that sort of data. But then you've got all the people putting things into into text boxes, which which you know that kind of have to be read individually, and you have to kind of make some kind of gestalt out of that that potentially quite varied you know feedback individual feedback that people are giving so yeah they did mention that they use um various scripts to do things like pull out word clouds to see what you know like words that get mentioned a lot kind of thing and um yeah i mean it was a bit interesting but it it was still not that interesting Overall. Yeah, because the really? main part of collecting feedback is missing. It, it basically showed that they're like they don't they like they don't understand what user experience means. I feel like they don't understand people. They treat everything kinda, as a stretch. I will, I will give you this. I watching this video did not really get the impression that this has um, a substantial impact on how the game is developed. I it, just. This this might be an unfair criticism of the video, given that it was a you know in rather in limited scope. But um, th there wasn't really a lot of emphasis on um, like the user feedback, the player experience, then shaping what happens in the game necessarily. It it kind of felt more like well we you know we we take all this stuff and we digest it and <clears throat> collate it and break it down for the developers. But that's it. You know, it then goes off to the developers and does anything happen? I mean, it, this, it just <laughs> felt like, you know, this is, this is the intermediate department that does this one thing and then, you know, nothing necessarily comes out of it. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, it would have helped if they'd gotten like more recent examples or more meaningful examples and not like, hey, you know, like five years ago, this, this one thing we put to the developers actually got something done. Like, if you wanna... some, some very concrete yeah. things they could have, they could have used, like, um, you know, the experience of, of what happened with, with the Graf Zeppelin, for example, or, um, you know, they, they, they could have talked about feedback from submarines. Or, you know, there, there are lots of actual highly relevant examples they could have used. And we got this kind of very bland, broad overview instead. Also, one funny note that I want to mention is that they mentioned specifically in the video that when you ask a question, you have to be very specific because if it can be misinterpreted. And, and they also well, touched yeah, on the problem with, about... with languages. So if Yeah, you... that, that asked something in Russian and it was taken as like, asking about um yeah, basically negative. the word average is is not meant as average but in, in russia it basically means bad so basically yeah. what what they thought meant bad the the europeans thought was average like the, there was a miscommunication between bad and average basically it, it did it did give a little bit of like it would have been interesting to get a bit more insight into that because you know i suppose we do have to bear in mind that they are covering quite a few different language groups and all, all of the feedback and surveys and whatever, you know, they have to have people that can read and translate all this stuff. And it's, it's you know, all the, all the surveys and whatever they put together has to be translated into a, a bunch of different languages and they have to make sure it means all the same thing, all the different languages. So that, that was the one, the one 
kind of glimpse we got of that actually it could be, you know, potentially quite a complicated subject. So, but but they see, could make this video so much more interesting and so much more relevant. There, there, there was there was uh, a beautiful irony in that statement because well they they specifically said that you have to be very careful because if somebody misinterprets the question, he's going to give an answer. You give kind of your own data. So you have to be very clear with exactly what you ask. And for the four ships, not sure if it's still to this day, but until very recently, at least you can, sometimes after a battle, you get a pop-up with how much you enjoyed that battle. Oh, and yes, there yes. is no way that this question isn't misinterpreted. No context at all. Yeah. There is absolutely no context. context. So basically what they said in this video is this is the worst possible thing you could ever do is ask such a broad <laughs> question. So this video tells you that the one thing that Wargaming has been doing since launch is the worst possible mistake you could ever possibly do in gathering feedback. So that's that yeah. I find ironic because the department for user experience told you that they are using the worst possible thing they could have ever do. That, that data is apparently completely useless. <laughs> so there's no so, purpose whatsoever except to make people think occasionally that they're being listened to. <laughs> I guess. It, I, I thought it was a beautiful piece of irony. There were, I mean, there were, there were some other things they talked about, like how often they put, out, put these out and they, they try not to do them too often. Um, to individual users, because you know that way people just start completely ignoring them. But the, but the, end up the in certain surveys get ignored far more than others, and um, yeah. So I, there were some interesting two bits in there. I, I suppose people can go watch it themselves if they want. But shall we move on? Um, yeah, yes. We kind of thought we weren't going to manage to talk about much this evening, and here we are, already <laughs> approaching the two-hour mark. Um, so the, the last thing is, and we'll probably not go too much into detail, but there was another um, official World of Warships Discord Q&A, Q&A number four. And this one was all focused around um, maps and, well, more the art department, basically. So there's, there's nothing particularly uh, substantial there in terms of, like, uh, gameplay stuff. But, um, yeah, there were, some, there were one or two interesting bits. And also, they did take the time to point out once again that there is no singular art department; that it is a sort of conglomeration of, of like different different teams that that do different bits and pieces. So let me scroll and actually find the uh, Discord. Yeah, um, I'll have probably trouble bringing it up myself because Discord is using our video right now. Yes, yeah, you can't kind of do both. So I. I rely um, on you to to uh, provide the. So the, the, the um, first thing that I can mention that I remember is because it's 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 still so funny to me is that Wargaming insists that they don't have an art department, and it seems like it's something that they have insisted past in in the live stream and again like every time people praise the art department, Wargaming is like <laughs> there is no art department. I'm not sure why that's so important for them to tell everyone they're like there is the art department, like there is this. Dip- group there that we don't call a department that makes art and there's this group there that we is not a department that makes art and don't call those guys a department don't give them too much power they already beloved too much uh, <laughs> that's it that they're worried they're worried that that you know that they'll they'll get too powerful they'll, yes. they'll execute a coup from within or something um so yeah um there were a, i don't know how many questions there were but they they answered a bunch um uh, let's see. I, I, I'll go over um, so stuff about the USDD models. And they give some 
prelim pictures of the Farragut, Sims, Samson, um, similar to what we saw on the devlog stuff. Yes. Um, so there's a question about detonations looking different, similar to World of Tanks. And this is possibly a question that's been... Uh, no, I've, I've just realized a thing. I'm looking at a thing. This is the previous one they did. Hang on. I'm realizing I've made a boo-boo live on, uh, live on stream. Well, that's good. And people thought we were such professionals before. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, this is the last one they did. Oh, I did not notice the dates on this at all. So this is a thing that we probably covered previously. Yeah, we, we talked about one of those in the past. Yeah, I think I, I, I read through it not noticing the dates whatsoever. So really, we don't have anything to talk about. I, it's just I read on the portal that, yes, there is going to be uh, another, but I guess it's not actually taken place yet. No. Uh, went, went, but there might have been some answers we haven't covered before. Like what I mentioned is, for example, that the port is uh, is slower than... I mean, they oh, gave, yeah, they, gave I mean, some they explanation some... why the port is slower yeah. than the actual game and why it might be more hardware intensive right. and so on. I'm actually looking at the portal. This is what confused me. I looked at the portal, saw that there was going to be a Q&A, and then looked on the Discord, and, oh, look, there's the Q&A thing in the archive section. It must have happened already. That was my thinking process. Didn't notice that the dates on the Q and A were twenty twenty one. So, yeah, it just shows that. I mean, November twenty twenty one. It's been a, a while since the last one. Um, so, yeah, I'm just looking at the portal now. It's from the twelfth to the sixteenth. They're collecting answers, and then they'll have answers posted by the twenty fourth. So, we will be able to talk about this in future ones. Just not now. <laughs> well done, me. This is wholly on me. But, uh, I mean, we, we, yeah, we can, like, this, it's interesting looking at this and seeing that some of these things already have come to pass. So the stuff like the USNDD models and, um, you know, there's other stuff that hasn't come to pass yet, like uh, different effects for uh, ships being detonated, um, rotatable yeah, turrets. I don't want the, this, the, the ships don't disappear after sinking and so on. I mean. Yeah, uh, not rotatable turrets, the rotatable um funnels on some of the French battleships. It was interesting to refresh myself about stuff that has and hasn't, um, you know, on that basis, I suppose, yeah, <laughs> uh, has and hasn't actually uh, come to pass. Um, so, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff that hasn't, but some of these things have. There's a bunch of stuff that they, in this, they said, you know, they're still working on, so we might still see them um, happening. So, yeah, um, stuff like RTX support, and that, that that is being worked on for the next gen console version. It might eventually, you know, they, they take that tech and use it in the PC version, for instance. Um, so, yeah. It, it's not like we re that's something we really need. Yeah. Um, there's other stuff like camos on planes. We know that's happened. Yes. Um, there's also clarification that it if you see like waves or so on 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 the ship they don't actually have an impact yeah like... I wonder if that was that was prompted because uh, Drachinefeld did a video um probably late last year I think it might have actually inspired this question and I highly recommend this, but it was about the the sinking of the hood basically and uh the going over the various official kind of reports and theories and looking at some of the other kind of hypotheses people have come up with. And his, his hypothesis was that um, 
that uh, because it was going at speed, you, you're better off going and watching the video. <laughs> but <laughs> essentially, that um, as Shell was able to hit Pen where it was because there was a kind of um, trough created by the bow wave, and it kind of effectively lowered the the water level because the you know the ship's going forward the Mm-hmm. ship's pushing water out of the way, so you've got this little kind of curved inward dip next to the bow that the shell probably or possibly was able to hit there and pen otherwise um, where if the ship had been going slower, it would have hit the water and, and detonated sooner. And so that, the, yeah, that the, someone was asking, you know, does this, does this ha- have an effect in game? And the answer is no, it, it's purely a visual effect. And, uh, that, that would be kind of an edge case thing, really. Um, so yeah, um, yeah, th- there was some interesting stuff in there last time, and we probably covered it last time. But we will certainly look at the next one, and um, we'll, we'll see what comes about as that. And you know, if you are uh, users in Discord, you can actually go to that article. If you're not, uh, uh, you know, on the the official server already, you can actually go in there and uh, uh, contribute or, contribute your own questions because there is. Looking now, there is the active, uh, uh, yeah, maps and game modes is the the current Q and A. So yeah, um, if you have specific questions regarding that, you can go and ask and potentially get an answer. So yeah, I guess we can end things there. <laughs> well, that was a derp on my part, but oh well, <laughs> not the biggest one I've ever made, but still, slow clap for me. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they do have, so yeah, I mean, you were half right. They do currently have a Q&A up and running. It's just that we, we don't have the answers yet. Yeah, I was just, pre- I was a bit premature. That's all. I got, I, got, I got all excited and then looked at the archive instead of the actual current Q&A questions channel. Because I'm very professional. We're very professional exactly. on this podcast. <laughs> I mean, we, we are very professional cat minions, at least. Yes. Um, <laughs> so I guess we can just uh, end it here then? Yeah, I think that's a good point to wrap things up. So thanks everyone for watching. We will be back next week. And have a good night, everyone. Thanks for watching. Bye.